My sermon title this morning is When Generosity Reigns. When Generosity Reigns. Um, it's a good thing when that happens. If you could put my uh, slide for Big Idea on the, on the screen, I just want to give you... Uh, I want to give you what my big idea is um, today for the text that we will be going through. Um, we are in our More Than Enough series, and uh, this is going to talk about more than enough in a, in a brand new light, um, because as Pastor Graham said, we're not a prosperity-seeking, but we believe in principles. Do what is right in the presence of the Lord. And be generous to all God's people, not some of them, all God's people. And at the right time, at the right time, he will increase your seed and enlarge your territory. Do what is right in the presence of God and be generous to all his people. And at the right time, at the right time, y'all, he will increase your seed and enlarge your territory. We're talking about more than enough today. And we're really going to get into Luke um, chapter 6, verses 27 through 38 is where I want to take you. And then I use some supporting scriptures with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 11, that will help us. If you want to read the entire Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5 and 7 holds it in its entirety. So I'm just taking a little clip from it. The Sermon on the Mount, you can really say, it, uh, you know, if you've heard, I had a dream or the Gettingburg Address or uh, when Kennedy gave his inauguration, the Sermon on the Mount is historic in the life of the people that received that message. And we should receive that message again and again and again. And new revelation just came over me when I began to read that message of what Jesus was saying. So let me give you some historical content on the background. And, and I think it's important to note what Jesus did before he ever came out. The day before, the Bible says in Luke... It says he went to pray, and he prayed and stayed there all night. How many of you know when, when you start dealing with people, you can get a little drained? You can get a little drained when you start dealing with people. And so I believe he knew what was going to happen. Even though he was addressing his disciples, many people came to hear his teaching and to be healed. And what happened? He prayed all night. He put himself in a posture so God could fill him up. Because the Bible says on the next day, people began to come and energy just was surging out of him. So my first recommendation for you today to get to, more, to, get to your place of more than enough, you have to spend time with the Father. There's no other way around it. You can't just show up, raise your hand, and think, oh, he's just going to give you everything that your heart desires. Come on now. 
But when you begin to spend time with the Father, he will fill you up so that you're able to deal with this thing we're going to be dealing with about generosity this morning. Can you put up that uh, slide three for me real quick? I just kind of want to summarize the first couple of uh, verses there and what the Sermon on the Mount it was, and then we'll break it down a little bit further. How to live a life that is dedicated to and dedicated to and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, full of wisdom and discernment. That's really what I believe that you can say the Sermon on the Mount was, because he begins to break it down in certain ways. Now, Verse 20 reads like this. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor. Did I hit one wrong? Blessed are you that, uh, who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who are weeping. And, and when I began to read on, on these, these verses, why are the people that are poor blessed? And I begin to think, and it was like an oxy. Blessed are those that are crying. Blessed are those that are hungry in their belly. Why are they blessed? And that's the question that began to permeate through me. Why are they blessed? Well, for somebody that has went through some stuff, when my house went into foreclosure, when those things began to happen, the bankruptcy came. Those are the people that became poor in spirit. And what I mean by that, why, why we're blessed and why some of you that have went through some hard times are blessed is because then you have no choice but depend on God. You have no choice. There's no other thing to do. When you go that far down, when you find yourself crying on the bathroom floor because you don't know where your meal is coming from, all you can do is reach out to him. That's all you can do. So blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed because you now have to depend on me. Blessed are you that are crying and tears coming down your face for this, the, the place that we probably put ourselves in? Blessed are you. Because now you have to depend on me. And that was, that was a revelation to me in this. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject you, because of me. <laughs> that was interesting. Do we have any undercover Christians in the house? If you walked out these doors, would people know you serve the Most High? God is saying when ridicule and persecution comes against you, you are blessed. Why? Because you're going out there trying to change the world for Jesus. But do they know that? Does anybody know it? 
Are you in the witness protection program? And you hiding what you believe. I'm talking about more than enough. I'm talking about more than enough. Do you hide what you believe? Do you assimilate to just get along? Do you not want to rub elbows because you're afraid because you haven't picked up your word in a while? I'm afraid that the Jehovah Witness or the Mormon next to me knows more than about my Bible than I do myself. Blessed are you who are sacrificed for me. That's a tall word, guys. That's a tall word. You got to begin to love people that have done you wrong. You got to love somebody that runs into a theater and begins to shoot people. You got to love people that have molested little children. See, he's calling our response to be different than what the world's response to that is. See, I know a person was killed in St. Louis. And you have to find out and figure out what is the response that God wants us to have. What is the response? Is it destruction, doing everything that the world does, or is it doing something different? Because the most interesting thing is, he died for all those people I just talked about. He died for them. He died for me and he died for you. And then when he went to that cross on Calvary's hill, he did everything that happened to him. That's why he can say, love your enemies. That's why he can say, blessed and poor in spirit. Here's the second part of that. Uh, God just took me on a tangent, and I apologize, but the 24 through our target text in 27 really begins to talk about a series of warnings. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Your bellies are full. You are happy and laughing without care. Woe unto you. Because your flesh is more pleasing, the things that you desire is more pleasing to your flesh than the spirit. So he sends out warning. Not that he's going to throw anybody away. But he, you begin when you're rich. And that's why he always talks about rich. It's not materially rich. It's, it's when you're rich and you never give anything back to anybody. And it's all about you. How big my house is and how many cars I can drive. And I never give anything back to anybody else. Those are the people that he's addressing in those woe statements. It's all about me. I don't give any glory to God. I made this happen. 
I did what I was supposed to do, and that's why. And you know what? They are absolutely right because the sowing principles and the reaping principles apply to the just and the unjust. So I can see how that creeps in when it's all about you and it's all about me. I've done that. So I know how it feels. And God is saying, whoa, warning, warning, warning to the people. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. I'm the one that supplies your seed. I'm the one at the right time will give you your harvest. I'm the one. But some people are blinded by that. We're on a continuum of life. Let's say right here is point A. I'm a new Christian. I'm just coming in. And over here is Christ. The goal is to get from here to there. And what I believe he was saying in the scripture is that this is the walk you have to begin on to get to be more like Christ. So as you look at these scriptures, the people that were blessed and the people of woes, which of them were you? It's about recognizing where you are in this life, where you are in this walk. Where are you? on this continuum that we call sanctification as we start and as we move towards Christ and become more Christ-like. Here's something that you can take and look to allow you to have your evaluation process work. If, if your fellowship and your relationship with God alone doesn't bring you peace you have to begin to see where you are on the continuum if your communion with the father alone doesn't bring you joy you have to begin to understand where you are on the continuum of this journey where are you on the continuum of this journey? Has he done anything for you? How do we move? If I got to go to 1-800-PALM-READER when I get out of church today for somebody to tell me what my life is like, Maybe there's a problem. What if I got to go to ChristianMingle.com and find me a mate or maybe Farmers.com, whatever it might be, to find me a mate? I want to help God out. I need to, I need to help him because I got to do it quick. I just... Don't want to get on my knees and pray. 
I don't want to become patient. Because at the right time, he will increase my seed and enlarge my territory. But we don't want anybody, we, 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 we want to we wanna wait. We don't want to wait on God increasing our seed. If he hasn't increased your seed yet, you're still in incubation. He's still trying to pull things out of your life that doesn't look like him. That's what we have to begin to understand. He's pulling it out. But we want to go faster because we want to keep up with the Joneses. The best revelation I've ever gotten is I'm not a Jones, I'm a Washington. And I don't need to keep up with nobody. I just need to keep up with the master, that's all. I need to do what the master tells me to do, that's all. But every time you think about the Joneses and this person over here and that person and your flesh is ruling, your spirit man is weak because we're not spending time feeding it. So everything we see looks good and I want to take it for myself, but I won't feed my inner man. I won't do what he does, wants me to do. There's a lot of people that's going to say, Lord, Lord. And you may or may not be sitting in this church. But if all we do is come in here and listen, and then we go into the world, and we do the same thing, we respond the same way, we do everything the same as the world does. Witness protection, Christian protection program. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now we get to our target text. Gonna be kind of difficult. 27 says, but to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. <laughs> what? 28. Bless those who curse you. <laughs> Pray for those who mistreat you. <laughs> That's not the kind of God I want to serve, is it? See, when Jesus went to that cross, as I have said, these are the exact people he died for. And because he knows your response, because he knows your response is going to be like theirs, we have no world impact. So if you're not loving your neighbor, and some of us are not forgiving people, and we can't even remember why we got mad at them. It affects your witness. Some people owe us money and we won't talk to them or they won't talk to us, better yet. They avoid us. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? They avoid you to give us some money and they won't even find you when you give them some money. But it affects the witness. That's why he begins to say, love your enemies. 
Love the people that mistreat you. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because your testimony is going to be weak in the world if you're holding grudges and you haven't forgiven. How will you bring them in to him? When we allow that to take and run rule in our lives. He's asking for our response to be different. And if we keep responding the same way, we have no world impact. We can't impact anybody. 29, this is a personal favorite of mine. If, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Man. Let me tell y'all about that. <laughs> Vernell Washington, I was standing up going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Vernell. That's my mama. <laughs> and my mama, she must have, excuse the grammar, she must have wretched back okay. <laughs> to Colorado Springs somewhere. <laughs> I mean, and got some bend in her knees. And bow, just... You know them slow motion movies when the spit, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was bad. It was bad. I stepped back after that one. But I didn't want to give her my other cheek. What I'm saying is, we ready to box. We don't want nobody hitting us. And I didn't want Vernell hitting me. But God says our response has to be different. Somebody cuts you off. First thing you got flying is the bird. Our response has to be different. Laying on the horn just like the next person. Get out the way! Our response has to be different or we will not have any world impact. That's what God is telling us. 30, give to everyone who asks you and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. <laughs> Here's another piece up here. This one fits too. If someone takes your coat, steals your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give that to them too. Your executive pastor has struggled in this area when it comes to money, and that was my God moment this week. I signed a contract with a gentleman to put a roof on my house, uh, one of my houses because of the hail damage and I signed the contract and it's back in November it's now January the work was supposed to be done in a week man's phone is cut off and in a few times I got him 
I used some language that I'm not too proud of today. I used some things that, and did some things that I'm, I'm not too proud of today. I've had invited him to church a few times. And God told me, this was my God moment this week. He said, do you, Derek, put a price tag on my salvation and my glory? And I bust out. It hurt me. Because he said, that money that you gave, and for me it was a significant amount of money. He said, don't you know I can give you that and more. I want you to witness to that young man. I want you to forget about that money because I'm I'm doing not a new thing in his life. I'm doing a new thing in your life. And I began to understand that money can't rule me. That's all. That's it's done for so many years. And God just said, I'm going to take it away from your son. You go and witness, and you don't worry about payment. And if it don't get done, I'll be there for you. You got to put your trust in me. That was my God moment this week. I know my wife don't like it, but that was my God moment this week. I can't put a price tag on salvation. I have to decrease so he can increase in my life. So I'm a witness to that, man. I don't know what will happen. I don't know if he'll come. I don't know if I'll be able to communicate, but what I did do to start it, I wrote a long email hoping that his email address is still on. And I told him, I apologize to you on how I've treated you. I still want my money back. I had to say that. I had to say that. But if I don't get it back, God is still in control. And that's all that matters. Amen. Amen. Because then he hit me with the golden rule in 31. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That stuff comes back. And I'd rather it come back in generosity than the other way around. Golden rule. 32 through 34 just says if If you only love the lovable, if you only help those that help you, if you only give what you know is going to come back, what difference does it make? Why why, why do we call ourselves Christian sinners? We'll do that. An atheist 
will do that. An agnostic will do that. If I love the people that love me, that's easy. But loving that enemy, that's when it gets tough. Loving that person that abused you, that's when it gets tough. Praying for that person that walked out on you with two or three children, that's when it gets tough. Love the people that love you. And if I give it to you, I expect it back. The common person does that. It's our response that has to change. And I'm the chief number one guilty of that. Because my response hasn't been, I want my money back. But it's changing because on this continuum, I'm trying to get to Christ. And I'm trying to do what he's called me to do so I can be more like him. That's what he's telling us. It, for, for a true believer, it's not necessarily the way you act. It's not always the things you do. But a true believer would do, will do what God tells them to do. Yeah. <laughs> will do what God tells them to do. Check this out. Luke 646. Luke 646. Why do you call me Lord and you won't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and you will not do what I say? It reminds me of the man that fell off the cliff and he, he was hanging. He, he was dangling about a hundred feet off the ground. He, he was dangling and he said, help, somebody help. And he heard a voice that came down. He said, I see you. I see you. Where have you seen me? Get me down. He said, do you believe that I can help you? Yes, I believe. But I believe you can help me. And then he said, then the voice came and said, do you believe that I have the power to help you? Yes. Just get me down for him. My, my hands, my grip is it, getting lean, man. And he, the voice said, do you believe I love you enough to help you? Yes, I know you love me enough. Help me, please. Help me, please. And the voice said, now that you believe, I believe you believe, and you believe that I can help you, I'm going to do that. Now let go. Now let go. Now let go. After several seconds, the man's grip. Is there another voice up there? That's what we do. That's what we do. We walk this walk. Listening for the other voice. 
when we're pressed to do what God wants us to do. When we're pressed to do and do what he has asked us to do. We look for the other voice. We look for the palm reader. We want somebody to help us with a mate. We listen to the other voice. While we're dangling, we don't trust him enough. We don't trust him enough. And this, this, this walk is based on nothing but trust. And as I get ready to wrap up, my really, my target text today, everybody's heard it. Everybody has heard it. It says, give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be the measure, it will be measured to you. Back in the old days, ancient time, they had a bartering system, kind of like a swap meet, um, a farmer's market, a flea market, and they would barter over the grain. Now, my grain, it kind of looked like dog food, but we just, for this purpose, it's going to be grain today, okay, for this purpose, all right? It's grain. Now, what they did back in the old days, they bartered with one another. And when they finally came upon a price, the seller would take his grain and he would fill it all the way to the top he would give them more than enough but it says that's, that's the good measure that's the good measure not halfway full but he filled it all the way up then he pressed down then he pressed it down Then he shook it together. Make it settle down some more. Just shook it. Maybe pressed it again. Shook it. Did it say running over? And he filled it up. And he gave it to the buyer. And then the leftovers fell into the lap. And they did that over and over again. And at the end of the day, the leftover that was in the lap, the man took it to feed his family. That's the true meaning. Not come to church so I can get rich. And go buy nice cars and homes. 
But if I give more than I receive, by the measure I give is the measure I'll receive. And I'll be able to take my stuff and I'll be able to go home and feed my family with the leftovers because I was generous enough. I was generous enough. And God blessed me for being generous enough. Be generous. God wants people that are generous because you don't have no uh, in a, uh, you don't you don't have any uh, reason not to go and spread the good news. Nothing's holding you back. I'm gonna close, but I gotta say this: God told me to do it. There is this true story. There was this man in Canada. He didn't have any money, so he was going to go out and rob a bank, and he did. And he got this revolver. He went and robbed the bank. Bank had about $6,000 in it. He took it. He ran. Cops found him, got him, incarcerated. What they found out, true story. The revolver he had in his hand was an antique revolver. And the revolver by itself was worth $100,000. And he went and stole six. What I'm saying, church, we don't understand what we have in our hand when we start to give. We don't understand what's in our hands. I know all what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. That was God that did that. He loved us. That was what God is in us. That's what we have to understand. And and because we don't understand it, because we don't understand it, we just let it go out of our hands. We make excuses to why we can't give. It's right there in our hand. He said, it's profound in my mind. I'm going to leave you with something greater than me. You're going to be able to do more things than I did when I walked on this earth. We no longer can use the excuse that that was God. God that left his spirit for us. And it's right here. And it's a power source so powerful. And we walk around with defeated lives. We walk around needing help for more than God. And it's right here ready for you to use, ready for you to use, use it, use it, use it, stop playing, tell me how your life has worked out so far, not using it, 
Because when trouble comes, trouble's going to come anyway. How will you respond? How will you respond? Ed, I need your help. I forgot I had my grain, not dog food, grain. They, they ain't, I don't know. I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> Lastly, generous givers are not the ones with the biggest bank accounts. It's the one that has the biggest view of God. When you give generously, expect for yourself to get it back. That's a principle. Expect yourself to get it back. Generous giving is a testimony to an unbelieving world that we serve a God who's alive. Amen. 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 Amen.